Vox Quick Hits. There's no doubt that student debt has an impact on the people who have it. But what it means for the broader economy and for society in general is a pretty thorny issue. It's true that it's better to be a college graduate without debt than a college graduate with it. But it's also true that people who graduate from college often wind up better off financially than people who don't. Which makes some people ask, if the government is going to spend a bunch of money, is broad-based student debt forgiveness really the way to go? Yesterday, Tell Me More looked at the case for student debt forgiveness, the argument that economically and morally, it's the right thing to do. Today, we'll take a look at the other side of the debate, one that takes a more skeptical view of student debt forgiveness as a policy proposal. Beth Akers, an economist at the conservative-leaning American Enterprise Institute, is here to discuss. Obviously, there's a lot of discussion and even excitement over the possibility of student debt forgiveness right now. Um, You've expressed some skepticism over it as a policy proposal, and I'm curious why that is. Let me first say that it is is not fun to be the one who's arguing against student loan forgiveness because you're right, people are really excited about it. Unfortunately, I think it's a, a misguided policy, though. First, I think it's delivering benefits to the wrong people. 60% of the student debt outstanding in the economy is held by the top 40% of earners. So any widespread forgiveness program is necessarily going to be really benefiting those high-income individuals. The second thing I'm really concerned about is what happens next. And so we know that we have an out-of-control problem with people borrowing more than is affordable for them and people paying these exorbitant prices because tuitions are rising year after year. If we do this, I'm just afraid that things are going to get worse for us moving forward. Do we know what student debt cancellation would mean for the overall economy beyond the individual? Would it help kind of stimulate the broader economy? Any money that we kind of pump into the economy, in theory, could function as a stimulus. People have more money in their pocket. They can go out and spend. Spending creates jobs, et cetera, et cetera. So that's all good. The problem, though, is that Generally, when we design a stimulus program, we deliver the benefits, the stimulus checks, to the people who have lower income or lower wealth. And the reason is because those are people who are going to go out and spend it. And when they do that, that's what stimulates the economy. So a student loan forgiveness plan that forgives debt for people, many of whom have very high incomes, is a very inefficient stimulus. And it's one, because of the income and wealth of the people who are getting the benefit, but also because you can imagine someone has $10,000 in student debt and they're paying $100 a month on that. We wipe away $10,000. That's great. That's a $10,000 cost to the government, but it only changes that person's monthly cash flow by about $100. So yes, it could have an impact on their spending, but it's not a big one. And it's not a big bang for your buck, which is what we're really aiming for when we're optimally designing a stimulus. So the economy isn't the only issue that we're dealing with here, right? Even if we can say maybe this won't have a big stimulus effect on the economy, proponents of cancellation say it's still the right thing to do, especially when it comes to black and brown students who are hit extra hard by student debt. You know, they take out more debt. They have a harder time paying it off. So why not do it for equity reasons? Well, again, I 
I'm not opposed to taking action on the issues of racial wealth and equality in this country. But what I see is that what's happened with student debt is a symptom of a deeper problem. And fixing this racial wealth inequality through student loans and manipulating the program, which changes the incentives going forward, is, again, the wrong way to address the problem. So if we want to talk about reparations, that's one thing. If we want to talk about grant programs for minority students, that's another great thing. But doing this through the student loan system is is not the right solution, and it's just going to create more problems down the road. What do you mean by that? Like, what problems? Well, the problems I'm really concerned about are— You know, what happens when a student comes to me next year and says, Beth, should I borrow to go to college? And should I go to the University of Utah? Or should I go to College of William Mary? I'm going to tell somebody that they should be borrowing every single penny to go to school. And they might want to consider a more expensive option because it's very likely that going forward, we're going to see the government swoop in with another widespread forgiveness program. And so what that's going to do is exacerbate the problem of people borrowing more than is probably affordable for them and colleges being able to increase their tuitions at a rate that exceeds any other uh, inflation in any other sector of the economy. So you said that you would be in favor of canceling $5,000 in student debt. How did you get to that number? So the number stuck out to me because of some studies that have shown that the people who have the most trouble paying back their loans, meaning they default at the highest rates, actually have less than $5,000 in debt. So that's a really surprising finding that I think is in contrast to the way that we think about debt. We read in the newspaper about people who have $100,000 in debt and they're struggling for whatever reason. But statistically speaking, the people who are in the most trouble have small balances. So we could do an awful lot by forgiving $5,000 in debt. And I'll say the other reason I argued for that is more political, because I think we do need changes to the existing safety net that we have. It's called income-driven repayment. It doesn't work super well, but it's the right idea. And so what I'd like to see is say, okay, let's, you know, let's give people a bit of forgiveness, call it $5,000, but with the understanding that's kind of a political chip to get us reform of the income-driven repayment system, which is, I think, really critical. So to be clear here, income-driven repayment means that a person pays back a certain percentage of their loans based on their income over the years. And after 20 to 25 years, those loans are forgiven, right? Yeah, exactly. It's sort of a means-tested forgiveness program, except rather than just looking at a single point in time at how much income someone has, it follows them over a course of about 20 years or 10 years if you work in the public sector or for a nonprofit. And the idea there is that education doesn't deliver returns just in one or two years after you graduate. It delivers dividends over the course of your entire career through access to higher earnings. I think a lot of people have issue with the number of years it takes for someone to get to forgiveness. And I think that's a reasonable concern. And, you know, should we make it so that people get to student loan forgiveness sooner? I think that's a reasonable conversation to have. Mm -hmm. Well, in the The public student loan forgiveness program, that works pretty poorly, right? Like most people don't get that forgiveness at the end, at least so far. Well, what I'll say is that income-driven repayment and public service loan forgiveness do work poorly. But there has been some misinformation about exactly 
how that's happening very recently. So both of these programs are are pretty new. And what that means is that we need to wait for borrowers to become eligible to actually receive those benefits. Right now, a lot of people are citing the very small number of borrowers who have gotten forgiveness from these programs as evidence that they don't work. The reality is that's not evidence that they don't work. That's evidence that they're new. I guess my last question is, is there a bigger conversation we need to be having about the cost of higher education in the United States beyond forgiveness? Yeah, I think the thing that's hiding behind this conversation is the fact that higher education is very expensive in this country, and it's getting more so every year. The rate of inflation for college degrees is exorbitant, and it's concerning to me that as we go forward, the labor market returns of a degree are going to have trouble keeping pace with the costs that people are paying on the front end. So for a long time, we've been able to say, college is worth it. Just go. College is really worth it. 15% rate of return, million dollars over the course of your lifetime. And we may not be able to continue to say that if we continue to see prices rising. We have people able to borrow essentially unlimited amounts from the federal government to pay, especially for graduate school. And so I'm concerned about where we're headed. Yeah, it definitely seems like we need a holistic conversation here, kind of whatever aside. I think you fall on the debate. I think the conclusion is always we need to really take a look at the cost of higher education in the United States and figure out what's going on. Thank you so much for speaking with me about this. As you said, sometimes it's not the most popular position, so I do appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll take one for the team and, and argue the non-sympathetic position. <laughs> well, thanks so much. Thank you, Emily. Beth Akers is an economist at the American Enterprise Institute. You can find more from Vox in the Vox Quick Hits feed wherever you get your podcasts. 